Welcome to another episode of Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer, aka Sirgan Carr. I am so excited to be sharing my conversation today with Jay Brave. He's someone that has been in my life for the past 12 or 13 years now, sort of um, peripheral and sometimes, you know, part of the exact thing that I happen to be doing in that moment. Um, we've sort of crossed paths many, many times and I've always felt especially connected to his work and his message and just the integrity with which he does what he does. Just have to read you a little excerpt of his bio right now because I just feel that it encapsulates so much and also it sort of uh, foreshadows some of the conversation topics that we're going to have. It says, Jay Brave is here to touch, move, and inspire others to remember their divine nature. This former counselor for homeless and at-risk youth, which we'll talk about on the podcast, uses his music as a vehicle for service. He is the founder of the internationally renowned hip-hop collective, The Luminaries. That's how I first met him. Visionary of Benevolence Festival and has toured the world spreading messages of peace, love, and unity throughout his travels. Um, So he has a workshop coming up, which I highly recommend any opportunity to get to work with him and his partner, Lotus Grace. It begins August 31st and goes through October 18th. So it's an eight-week transformational course to reveal your greatness, learn to express your gifts, ignite your intention, align to your mission, and step into service. And I will leave the information in the podcast description so you can reach out to him. The first 22 people who sign up will also get free access to a special one-day event they are hosting in September called The Roomy Code. So definitely check that out. And without further ado, here we go. I'm in Los Angeles still. Oh, cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. How is that? What is that like now? Well, I mean, yeah, LA is definitely a very powerful place of duality. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, in context of what's been happening this year, it's, you know, there were some challenging moments where it's like, wow, I've never seen LA so quiet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's home. I, a lot of my family's here and I feel at home, but I, I've always feel in the call to potentially live somewhere else um but you know like i think every major city has been similar in context of like what's been going on and the challenges and you know yeah all that stuff yeah my dad is is in la right now um are you guys haven't opened up businesses yet right some no some opened the last couple of weeks and yeah. then I, some things may be reclosing but businesses have been opening um I think what just reclosed is like some bars and stuff like that. And I think they might be closing the beach for 4th of July, which sucks because it's been open. Uh, yeah. I'm not I'm very patriotic in the context of that holiday, but in the context of just going to the beach, it's been open the last couple of weeks and people have been congregating down there. And that's been really nice because I feel like to me, like being in nature is one of the healthiest things I can do for myself. Like it's so strange to not be able to go into the, hiking or to nature it feels very malicious in context of the situation yeah yeah especially in LA because there's little of it compared to other places yeah well surprisingly to be honest like there's so many amazing hikes in LA area that people I'm still learning so many of them but like within yeah. an hour either going to like the mountains or, or even like palisades there's there's some incredible beautiful hikes that 
that have been manifesting for me the last couple of years as I've been getting more and more into nature. But I, I hear you like from the surface level, people don't think of LA like that. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to hit you to some cool spots that are like pretty like, I can't believe I'm in LA moments. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, you know, there's places like, I can't believe I'm in LA County right now. <laughs> I can't believe it's LA. <laughs> like the, I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's funny where I am right now. I've never lived in a place like this, but it's sort of, it's sort of suburban, but it has like all these nature trails that just so like, I guess, because I'm in Washington now. Oh, you're and, Washington? Yeah, and the, the place where I'm at, they've, they place like a really high value on like having nature preserves. So there's a nature preserve right behind me and then you can walk down the street and there's another one. And it's it's like integrated into into housing. I think they must they must have some like mandatory amount that they have to that they have to put in, which is pretty cool. But yeah, but yeah, I I love LA. I mean, I, I was born in LA. Were, were you born in LA? I was. Yeah, yeah. It's just there's so much going on all the time. I remember just you know not even knowing what I was going to do, you know, on the weekend, because there were like six different events going on at the same time. I would imagine it's a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what, and I I listened to your new, your new single, which was really awesome, which you seem to have put out pretty quickly um, with I Can Breathe. I Can Breathe. Yeah. I did that track with Kiyoshi Uh and uh, it's cool because, you know, we're both obviously people of African descent and I feel we full a lot of emotions came up for me during this last couple of weeks with protesting and things shifting. And I feel like, um, you know, I have trauma in my family from like a lot of ancestral healing and things that have been racially motivated in myself. You know, as a young person, I've been attacked by people because just how I look and it's a really terrible feeling to go through. And I wish that upon nobody. And so when this started to occur, I think for a lot of people that have had, trauma in their personal lives or in their family lineage it was like an opportunity to face some things and do some like personal healing and i think reaching out to kiyoshi as like you know we're both gemini's we entered the gemini cycle in may and this started to jump off uh i was like man i'd love to channel some of this energy with you into a creative space and so we just went to the studio and just created that song provided the beat by taz rashid and we wanted to create an affirmation of i can breathe not to disacknowledge people that are feeling eh, empathy or compassion for those that have literally been enabled to breathe because of police brutality, but just to create a narrative of like, you can't take my breath away. You feel me? Like I'm a divine sovereign being and I, I will breathe despite those malicious efforts in our world. And so, and at the same time in our song, we acknowledge that too, in a very visceral way too, some of the injustices. So it's like having the balance is really important for me as I've been growing as an artist finding polarity in my music and finding a sense of, um, you know, uh, being in touch with what's happening on the 3D, but also taking people to that next level of consciousness through the lyrics I write. Mm-hmm. How do you feel within the, like, the community of, I don't know what you, what you call it, you call it like the conscious community in LA or the yoga community or whatever, like, how do you feel this situation, the, what do you call it, like the illumination of racism, the awakening to it? Like, what, how, how do you feel it's being treated or like, how are you feeling in that context? Just I feel in LA, 
That's a great question. LA is a very diverse city. You know, it's one of the most diverse cities probably in America. And I feel we've all um, appreciating culture here. And I feel like people in general, like, are experiencing a high level of acceptance. But of course, there's like people that feel that divide in energetics. And I feel there's definitely like a rallying around the sense of finding balance and finding solidarity. And I do feel a lot of the marches and protests have been very positive, even though there have been some uh, negative things portrayed in the media. It's like we're living in times where there's a lot of different agendas taking place with our food, with our environment, with politics, with corporations, with even activism, where it's like there are things being manipulated uh, that, that are meant to create separation because it's serving someone's agenda. So I always kind of like look at things from the space of duality, because I think duality is not to be construed with separation. Like duality is the attribute of this, this world of earth. There's fire, there's water, there is love, there's light and there is darkness. There is, there's pain and there's joy. We've, we've come to earth to experience and find the yin and yang of both sides. And I feel like learning to embrace both facets of myself and the world has been very healthy. And I think I'm seeing people in LA rise to that challenge. Um, and it's creating a space of acknowledging some of the emotions that we have to acknowledge. Like how do we emerge into a new paradigm or a new world that we're wanting to co-create if we're not willing to acknowledge our own shit? So it's like, what's coming up is very necessary for the collective. And I feel it's very healthy when looked at in a constructive way. Hmm. Yeah. That's really beautiful. You feel like, you feel like as a whole, it's, it's being heard. Well, I think around the world, the voices are being heard and regardless of who's pulling the strings on certain things, I've heard a lot of different theories about a lot of different things, but I feel the feeling that I've experienced as a person of color that's gone through racial injustice in my life from just people like driving by calling me racial slurs, like things like that or getting in fights because of who I am. Like I feel the healing that I'm going through that other people are experiencing is real. And I feel what's being expressed and acknowledged is what's coming up for us to resolve, whether it's in context to racial issues or health issues with the coronavirus or just what people believe what's happening in this particular time and age spiritually. There's a lot of different things playing out that are meant for us to look at. So I'm always a provider where it's like, whatever's coming up for you, regardless of your skin tone or cultural background, that's what's meant to, for you to look at. Like if it's, if it's resentment, okay, look at that. If it's hate, look at that. If it's like um, feeling shame, then look at that. If it's a, a part of some people that don't, don't know what to do or how to make a difference, I think it's very powerful to look at that. Like, whatever's coming up for all of us is meant to be looked at and seen, you know? Yeah. It's, I had the most amazing experience this week of going to Idaho for the first time, where my mom is from, and where she kind of escaped because for, for these sorts of reasons, her, her first husband was Haitian. And I guess she just felt like she wouldn't be accepted or something. But for whatever reason, she never introduced me to her family in Idaho. And, and she married a, a Jewish man. And I remember her like anxiety around, cause we lived in, I lived in France growing up, but her anxiety of people discovering that we had Jewish background and having to pass as like, she, she gives like little crosses and stuff to, but I, it, it was so in the context of what's going on right now, I was thinking like, that, that's a really, that's a really weird sort of 
shame to carry around, you know, about your own ancestry or about your own children, you know, but that she felt was necessary as sort of a protection, um, which I, I kind of parallel to what's, you know, it's not exactly the same thing, but I think that it, it has to do with tolerance and with people's minds not being open enough to, you know, to see the person. You know? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you said shame because for me, I think for all of us and for myself, that's been my biggest teacher this year. If someone were to ask me, what's been your greatest teacher this year, I would say shame. And I think some people might be like, well, what does that mean? Like, how can shame teach you? Because it seems like a very quote unquote negative attribute. But I, I look at like Rumi says, we invite all the emotions into our house as guests. And like, can we sit with them and learn from them and grow from them and know that they're just passing through? And so again, that's what came up for me during a lot of this protests and things that were showing on the news is my own shame regarding my identity being a mixed person and how I've been put down and things of that nature. And I feel like if we look at everything as our enemy, whether it's shame or anger or jealousy or hatred or whatever the emotion is, then we're never going to grow from it because we're always creating resistance. We're always pushing it away. We're withdrawing from the things that feel uncomfortable and we're judging them because we're labeling them good and bad and right or wrong. But for me, I've been practicing moving beyond good and bad and right or wrong. Like Rumi says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing. There's a field. I'll meet you there. So to practice not labeling my emotions, good, bad, right or wrong, but just like, okay, like I see you. I know that you're a part of me that's showing up for my inner child that wants to be resolved. Mm -hmm. And like not making an enemy out of shame or anger or frustration or whatever it is. And like befriending it and learning to grow from it. And I feel like that's the healing that's, that's a, that will allow us to transcend as humanity. It's the space of, um, uh, embracing the darkness and shadow and realizing that we have to become the alchemist like Pablo Coelho says. And so, uh, yeah, I think whatever's showing up for us is a powerful teacher. And I feel like we're done with pushing things away. It's time to really embrace ourselves and not run away from the things that feel uncomfortable anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, shame is, is such a big one because it's like the, I feel like it's the main type of resistance that comes up with emotions. Like, you know, I, I don't want to feel that way. So I add shame to that feeling, you know, which doesn't improve it. It uh, sort of compounds it. And then, yeah. And then you're, you're looking at several generations of compounding and we're all, I feel like we're all kind of, we're all kind of dealing with that right now. You know, that, that running away from emotion basically. Yeah. I've, I've found that we actually, we can experience shame and again, in a moment, like we can feel someone shaming us because what they say or do, mm -hmm. or we apply that energy onto ourselves because you know what we're feeling. But I feel like what happens the most, maybe then even those two, is that we're so afraid of the fear of shame that will it inhibit us from even expressing. Like for example, having the fear of going on a stage to share my song because I'm putting, I'm so afraid of what others are going to think about me that it'll actually inhibit me from going on the stage and sharing my voice in the song. So I feel like the, the fear of shame, even though it's not actually present, sometimes can be more destructive than actually feeling shame. Okay. Yeah. That, I, liked, um, I liked what you said about the I can't breathe versus the I can breathe because I, I love that you validated the, the emotion behind, you know, that I can't breathe, you know, and then your song obviously is, is uh, well, maybe you could talk about that, but. Um, 
I, I really like that because I feel like the emotion of I can't breathe. I mean, that's really real for the people who are expressing it to them, you know, in that, in that 3D way that you're talking about. But you're seeing something else too. Yeah, I think that intentionally, it's like I acknowledge that it's messed up that like police, the George Floyd was killed because he was, his knee was put to his neck. And even Kyoshi mentions that in the song. But it's like, we have to be mindful what, what are we affirming as well as an individual and collectively. And like, I think it's powerful to have empathy and compassion for those that physically have not been able to breathe because of police brutality, especially. And at the same time, like, yo, I'm taking my breath back. I'm taking my power back. I'm not going to just stay in the victim space. I'm going to acknowledge the injustices, but also find the strength to like affirm my breath, my life, my existence. I am, you know, beyond mattering. I'm like beautiful, holy, sacred, like divine. You feel me? So I feel like there's a power. It's just a balance. It's like we're trying to co-create balance through, through art form. And again, yeah, it's not to disacknowledge anybody. Like I think it's so powerful to acknowledge all the crazy shit happening in the world in ourselves and externally, because that's how we, we grow from it. We have to acknowledge what is in order to move forward. And so our ability to do that is very crucial in this time where it seems like everything is in chaos. <laughs> Every aspect of our life, it feels like in 2020 is in peril or there's an unknown to it. So really important to do alchemy. Yeah. There's, there's a liberating sense when everything seems to be falling apart. It's like, oh, I can, I can be something completely different in this space because there's, there's less at stake. There's less I can break. There's, you know, there's less toes that I could be possibly stepping on. Right. Um, I, so I know DJ um, Taz Rashid from, as like a uh, staff member at Bhakti Fest. Mm. And, and I just noticed like a few months ago that he's like really killing it yeah. as a DJ. And I didn't even know he did that. So how did you connect with him? Um, it connected because I heard he was doing events called Club Divine in Chicago many years ago. And at that uh -huh. time, he wasn't DJing either. But I'll say this. It's a great example. Taz has always had a beautiful charisma to him yeah. and a spirit and a beautiful communicator. And I think when we're aligned with our intention of who and what we really are on a vibratory level, beyond just intellectually, we can step into different modalities of expression and be completely in alignment and rock it out. So I feel like Taz is always well connected to music, but when he started DJing, it took off because he just carried his intention, even though he was doing other live music and different events, into this new form of expression that started to create uh, movement. And I feel the same way about myself. Like I'm, I started off just rapping and creating poetry, then it turned into songs, and then I started singing a little bit, and then I started throwing events. Now I DJ as well, I DJ ecstatic dance, and now I do coaching work with people. And okay, now what's next? So maybe I'll do a podcast. Like it never stops. Like yeah. we sometimes get so fixated on the form of expression, but in reality, I feel like our purpose is one and the same. We're here to awaken to our divine nature. We're here to express our gifts. And we're here to be in service. Like that's to me why humans are here. But what makes us unique as individuals is that we all have these different forms of expression. Like you may do Kundalini, I may do yoga, that person does meditation, that person does music, that person does dance, that person does fire spinning arts, this person's an architect, this person's a marketer. Like there's so many ways we express and that's how we individually stand out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I do feel our purpose is one and the same and it's really cool to see Taz uh, stepping into his expression and, and just moving, traversing from one uh, expression to another and finding success. Yeah. 
So you do this remotely, I'm assuming, with him. Like you, you have a virtual uh, collaboration. I have a studio in Santa Monica that I work out of physically, and he sent me the track. So it was a song that he made um, called Love Me, I think a few years ago, actually. But he felt okay. the resonance of that music with the times and what our intention was to write about. And so, yeah, he, remote, he remotely sent me the track. We sent him back the vocals. He helped mix it. And then it is what it is. And the video is coming out soon. Um, we, we wanted to drop the video the same day the song came out, about a week and a half ago or so. But we just wanted to do one more round of edits to really make it special. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful practice as an artist. Can, like, can you be in a space of discernment without judgment <laughs> and not shaming ourselves? And mm -hmm. be like, you know, it just needs a few more days. Like, it's cool. Like, we can wait to put the video out next. So stay tuned for the video. It's really powerful. My a friend of ours, Megan Pagoda, is, is creating it. And she's a really special person. Oh, cool. Well, by the time this um, gets published, they'll probably be out. So I can include the link if you send it to me. Well, it's out now. Yeah. So click it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And I've also, I've heard strategically it's better to release the video a little bit after you drop the single anyway, because it's like a new thing you can get excited about. So my cool. have worked out <laughs> in, more, in more ways than one. Yeah. So you... Do you record other people at your at the studio in Santa Monica? I do, and that's another thing that's been happening too. Because um, I work out of my brother Conscious Studio space, um, uh, Daniel Conscious Krieger. The space is oh, called Studios, yeah. and his space went from one room to multiple rooms, and I rent one of the smaller spaces. And it's been really empowering to have my own space as an artist to go to. I feel like it's specifically made for creative expression, whether live or recording or otherwise, and um, Cause you know, I work from home too, but I feel like having a space where it's like, I don't have to like be distracted by the things around me in my home. I'm just, I'm there to work. And I think every um, creator having their own kind of work shed per se is really important. So that's been really expanding me to work on my own music, but also, yeah, there've been situations where I've taken on projects for other people currently working with my partner, Lotus Grace and her making her first album, which is really exciting. Cause like I'm in partnership with another musician that's so I'm, I love her music. It's not like, oh, I want to help you just because I love you. It's like, no, I really love your music, your songwriting. I love when we co-create. So to help her, especially in these last few months, to get her music off the ground and share her gifts has been so fulfilling for me as a man and so fulfilling for me to know that her music is going to touch a lot of people. Mm. And uh, just really honored to just be in service, you know, keep that energy reciprocated and pay it forward. That's really cool. Do you feel like your your life sort of um, how should I put it like sort of float float in a way that made it um, kind of seamless to transition into being mostly in your own space? You know, because of COVID, like we're all sort of uh, homeschooling, homeworking, you know, all this stuff. Do you feel like that that was a pretty seamless transition for you? You know. As I've gotten older, it's been such a beautiful embracing of my Gemini polarities. Because in, when I was younger, I was so attracted to the part of myself that was very young and expressive and communicative. And I would kind of push away the part of me that was very yin and like introverted and needed space and all that stuff. But as I've grown and grown and grown, I've learned to embrace both polarities. And so it's funny because I had so many shows booked through the spring and summer mm -hmm. and even in the fall that we're going to make this a very abundant and lucrative year and also create a lot of opportunities, of course, to be in service. But like me, many artists, 
all of my shows got canceled, like literally everything and all the finances shifted. So I went to a space of just like, okay, well, this is what the universe is bringing me now. Let me just embrace this. So I just decided to spend time with my partner, my son, and, and really just embrace being at home and embrace this kind of introverted healing time for myself. And again, like I was saying, since, since May hit and things started to shift a little bit and see people started to come out a little more in LA, that was my inner guidance as a Gemini, my birthday is coming to pass, to just step into uh, my expression again. So I've been offering online workshops. I did my first one in June. I'm doing another one July 11th with my partner. We're gonna definitely do another one August, sometime mid-August. And just having a, uh, I feel really aligned with that. I didn't feel as aligned to do a lot of online performances, even though I was offered a lot, mm-hmm. but doing online coaching and online workshops feels really resonant with the platform uh, that we've been using. And so just definitely check out me for that too, y'all. Like, uh, yeah, how, how do people find out about that? Just probably through my Instagram, jbrave1 okay. or jbrave.net, I'm posting on there. Okay, I'll share that too. Yeah, that's awesome. The, um, that, that happened for me a little bit too with, uh, with music lessons, which I was actually kind of resistant to because I, I've never, um, I've never wanted to teach, uh, teach music because it was never something that was really taught to me. I don't know what your background on it is that like, are you someone that took a lot of music lessons or was it something just kind of you found? Um, you know, it's funny because I started writing poetry, um, when I got into like middle school and high school. And my father passed when I was 11. So for me, my first poetry was actually inspired. Um, I was listening to Tupac a lot. And to, the, the Dear Mama, excuse me, um, Me Against the World was like one of the first CDs I ever owned. And the song in there was called Dear Mama, which was, which was like an ode to his mother. And I remember feeling so inspired by that song. Like I literally felt so inspired that I started writing because I felt an affinity to what he sang growing up in a difficult situation. like there was drugs in the house, you know, his father wasn't around. I felt such an affinity to what he was saying pertaining to my story that it inspired me to write. And so for me, poetry and writing lyrics when I was in middle school and in high school um, was like for me to heal. Like it wasn't like, oh, I want to get out here and be a celebrity star, this and that. Those things started to come later as I grew. Um, But I think at first it was just like healing. And I think for me, it was just a sense of uh, being able to convey my emotions in a safe space. Mm-hmm. I'm taking notes. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. I, I actually did a similar thing, not, not from a death, but uh, having a rough kind of middle school, high school. Um, I, yeah, it, it's, it's sort of to the point of what we were talking about before about emotions and really feeling all of them. Because I don't think that I would have needed to become a musician if I hadn't had these like really big emotions that needed a different kind of expression than just, you know, being and doing homework, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that your poetry evolved into music at some point? Yeah. I think as I, high school started to like formulate ideas and even in early stages, stages of college in my 19, 20 years old, started to write and formulate songs and, it took a little while before I could like begin to show them. Like I didn't perform publicly until I was 22. I went yeah. to an open mic in Hollywood and that was the first time I ever like got on the stage on the microphone and like shared something in a like kind of a more poetry song way. And so I feel like 
it took a little while to muster up the strength and courage to do that. But even in that moment, felt so much fear and anxiety and shame. And I remember, uh, you know, signing up at the end of the list. I remember getting off stage feeling so like judging myself and subconscious. I remember telling myself, I'm never going to do that again. Like, I'm never going to get on that stage again. That was terrible. Terrible. And I, I remember like walking back to my seat feeling like completely defeated. And this guy came up to me randomly, kind of inebriated, grabbed me by the shoulders, like looked me square in the eye and was like, bro, like whatever you do, don't ever stop. Don't ever quit. Just huh. keep, just keep going. You have something really powerful to share. Keep going. And I like was so startled because I didn't know who this person was. And it was like, in hindsight, he was an angel, really. You know, he was an angel. I don't know who that person was, but I remember his face. And for a kid that grew up without a dad and a kid that grew up with not a lot of male role models in this house around him, to have someone just basically say, I believe in you, like, meant a lot to me. And so I feel like I love sharing that story because we never know the impact we're going to have in someone's life. Like, I remember that man from almost 20 years ago. You know what I mean? And, like, we may say something to somebody in the street or like a workshop or even this conversation we're having or just anywhere we are that can make a huge impact on someone's life. And so I feel like we have to always remember that. Like, cause I remember that guy, even though I don't know who that person was and he's stayed with me my whole life because he said something kind to me and encouraging. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a great example for all of us. Like never take for granted the impact we can make on somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and he was brave enough to to say it because he could have second guessed himself and been like, "Oh, maybe he'll think I'm this or that or whatever." Um, yeah, that's awesome. There's, there's, yeah, it's awesome to be that person for people, and and I think probably often we don't realize that our that our presence means anything to to people. Only in like a few instances, probably, and yeah. I was listening to, to one of my teachers talk about the impact that we have of just being, just being here, you know, not even like, you don't know how you affected the person crossing the street just by being there, um, that we all play such a, a unique and, and wonderful part in this, in this tapestry. That's really cool. So after yeah. he encouraged you, did you do more live stuff or was it a while? Well, it's funny. Cause I feel like within a year or so, um, I started, I was valeting cars at the time in LA at this kind of luxury apartment complex on Wilshire. And I had this graveyard shift from like midnight to seven in the morning type thing. It was really oh, crazy wow. taking on this, this job. And I was driving all these fancy cars. And like, it was like just for like a private complex, like with people that live there. But this, the, the garage was small. So people needed help to actually park the vehicles properly. And my friend Free, uh, who, his member of Luminaries was like at the time working in social services with at-risk youth. And he's like, man, I just got a new job and they're trying to fill my position. I think I want to, I want to refer you. And at first I was reluctant. So I was like, no, I got a job. I'm cool. I don't need to like do that kind of stuff. He's like, bro, like this would be really powerful for you. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go interview. And I went and interviewed and they just, I had no experience doing it. I had no degree in anything, but they just loved who I was. And that, that began my career as like a full-time youth mentor, 40 hours a week working with homeless and at-risk kids between the ages of 14 and 24. They were living in the street, living in abandoned buildings, living in shelters, in and out of foster care, in and out of jails. Young people that were like prostituting, gang-banging, selling drugs, pimping themselves, pimping other kids, like the whole street culture, like, you know? And it taught me a lot because I, 
I began to realize that um, my role wasn't to judge anyone for what they're going through. Even though some person may be the, you know, at, at that same night, they may be robbing somebody to make, to make to eat, you feel me? Or selling drugs or whatever. It's not my role to judge who they are. It's my role to be a difference in their life unconditionally. Mm. And I feel it taught me so much about myself to reflect what they've gone through and how it paralleled some of the things I went through as a kid. So it's a very healing experience to be in service in a way where I'm practicing unconditional love. And I feel like that same mentality of who I was being transitioned into uh, my music. And ironically, in context of the story about the open mic, I ended up hosting my own open mic. And that was my first event I started to throw, uh, this like low key reggae club in Hollywood called The Firehouse. And so I was like hosting every Thursday the open mic there. And that was my first stage to kind of like share my stuff and feel confident in myself. And it's cool how things come full circle, but uh, we're still going. Did, did the stories that they were telling you shock you? Or is it stuff you had heard before that you were expecting? Or how did you feel? Well, I mean, both. Um, some of the things that shocked me were to find that it's really important for us to realize that most people that are homeless started off as a homeless teenager. Mm. We may see someone who's 40 or 50 and be like, how come this person's out here? They seem capable, blah, blah, blah. But they may have been on the streets for 10, 20 years. Mm. And we're just seeing a glimpse of who they are now. But when I would see young people that are 15, 16, 17 runaways mm. and then see them continuously grow and like be involved with the system and be in the streets and stuff like that, you realize, wow, like some of these young people have been out here for like a long time. Then they just become adults. And what shocked me was that most of the time people become homeless because um, they've been sexually abused at home, physically abused at home, or they've been ousted from their community or family because of their sexual orientation. And I feel to learn that and to understand some of the stories behind why some people become homeless was so powerful for me to have a different vision of why society is the way it is and like we're some, some people just have gone through horrendous stories that have created cathartic trauma in their lives that are they're only operating from that space and so i feel like most people that are on the streets it's not because of money or lack of job or lack of resources because they're trying to heal or not being able to heal some really cathartic trauma that they've gone through in their lives and in some form of abuse often and i feel learning about that grew my compassion deeply for the world and made me understand things on a much more empowered level. Mm. So you would have sort of just deep conversations with them individually or in groups, and it, was that how it? Yeah, it was. It was my role to build rapport as a counselor. Like my my, my role in the drop-in center, we provided food, shelter, a safe haven for people to come, hang out, play games, like connect socially. Where under complete confidentiality, they can come and just like drop in and connect and we didn't have shelter there but we would refer them to different shelters and different places within the network where they could maybe stay if they needed um something like that and so it was definitely uh yeah just my role to build rapport and connect with them and learn about them and when they when they felt like they can open up and they felt safe that's when a lot of breakthroughs would occur but it took some time you know no one wants to come in and just share their life story with someone they just met right and and I feel like it took Especially time. Especially in that situation, yeah. Yeah, you know, because they may have been run, they're running away or whatever's yeah. happening. It, sometimes it takes some time for them to open up. And so 
it taught me a lot of interpersonal skills with people and how to like hold the space and which is what I do now with my coaching work, you know, how do I, it taught me so much how to hold space and um, put that into practice. How do you want to talk about what, what you do as a coach? I'm curious. Yeah. Um, my theme of my coaching work is discover your sacred offering. And I feel like I was sharing before, we're all here to awaken to our divine nature, express our gifts and being service. And so for me as an artist, I realized, wow, everyone has something to express. And people would often come up to me after shows like, like, I'm so inspired by what you're saying. And I just don't know. I've always felt like I wanted to share something, but I'm not sure. Or people will come up and say like, can I rap for you? Can I share my poetry? And I feel like there's a part of us when we feel or see someone that's in their full power of expression. We want to be in that. You know I mean? We want to feel that same feeling. And I feel it's a very natural human thing. And so for me to like theme it as such is really about, you know, helping people move through blocks, um, look at challenges differently, um, support people in the space where they can feel like I was sharing earlier, like, can we embrace our, our challenges and our emotions and not label them, but actually learn to cultivate a relationship with our fears, our shame, our jealousy, our anger, whatever is revealing itself so we can move through it and be expressed. Cause those are usually the things are, that are inhibiting us from being fully expressed. And my role was to help guide someone through the process of seeing that in a, in a healthy way mm-hmm. and find a resolution to just reveal who they already are. Cause I feel like we're, we're already who we are meant to be. It's just the shit that's blocking us. That's inhibiting us from expressing it. Mm. Do you feel like, I find like, for, for example, like, like one session generally, you can't, you can't do a ton in one session. I mean, you can do something in one session, but do you have like a, a number of sessions that you ideally do with somebody or like a, a program? Or something? Yeah. So as of, especially because of this, it created the catalyst, what's been happening in the world to create the catalyst for me to do monthly workshops. The next one I'm doing with my partner, Lotus, is called Remembrance. So I'm bringing in all the same things that I do coaching with, but it's just we wanted to theme it differently as a reflection of both of our amazing offerings. Mm-hmm. And some exercises and some sharing and uh, some things of that nature. Um, so those are just kind of like two hour, like kind of like teasers almost, not teasers, but just, you know, to sit for like, to get a understanding of the offering and the work we do. And then when I do one-on-one stuff, it's an eight week commitment at minimum. It's like an eight week or eight session course, which I'll have a lesson plan and format so we can move through mm-hmm. different layers of the person's experience to ultimately get to some deeper reflection level. And by no means am I like, oh, at the end of this, you're going to be whatever. It's just more like some people do it and they want to do eight more. You know, I've done mm-hmm. that some people do it and feel complete with the work. So it's always like, how far do you want to go? But hopefully within that span, we do have a nice understanding of what's, usually we can at least see like what's inhibiting someone from really being who they really are. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah, the program that I, that I help out with is also eight weeks. I wonder if there's a, a magic, a magic to eight weeks, but there seems to be. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, and the choosing to do it again. I mean, that makes sense. I think I, I know I've gone through programs and been like, oh, okay. I didn't, you know, I, I, I think I could, I could review that, you know? Yeah. There's always something more to incorporate. Yeah. So where are you? How are they finding you? Um, 
I think I'm probably most active on Instagram as far as my public, just like checking in with the world type thing. I'm on, you know, I'm, I shoot my stuff to Facebook sometimes too, but I just feel like a, a resonance with that particular platform right now. And oftentimes people are messaging me or, you know, see, hear my music or, you know, we create a connection and I just share, Hey, this is what I'm offering. You want to check it out. And I think what's cool about coaches are there's never going to be an excess of coaches in the world. There's never going to be an excess of, spiritual tools or workshops or yoga or meditation or kundalini because um we're always going to be it's not like a fad like awakening is not like oh remember what we used to wear in the 80s clothing wise <laughs> awakening is going to be an ever expanding thing that we all must go through in life in my opinion so i don't think there can ever be an excess of people trying to make a difference as far as help others on along the path and like you were saying earlier about you know you had to learn how to teach music lessons. I, I feel it's a natural evolution on our spiritual journey that each of us ultimately will become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Knowing that it's always a reciprocal exchange. That's the first thing I always share with my clients. It's never like I'm the guru and I'm just giving you insight just as a terminology. I, I look at it more like we're each other's guides and teachers on this path and we're giving each other the insights to grow. And I leave the, every single session I do, I, I leave it feeling incredibly uh, expanded and and inspired after every session I do with somebody. So they teach me just as much as I teach them. And I look at it like, you know, we just have certain people that we feel resonance with in the context of certain guides in our lives. We may feel an attraction to someone and be like, wow, I want to work with them versus with this person because there's some innate chemistry or or attraction. Mm -hmm. So I think the more people that feel called to teach, the better. All hands on deck. Oh, I like that. That's a really great, I think that's a really essential thing that you said that there's never going to be an excess of coaches or of teachers. I mean, Cause I, I feel like that is, that is one of that, those limiting beliefs that, that go or like negative self-talk that we have in our head. Like, well, who am I to teach? There's already so many teachers or who am I to be a musician? There's already so many musicians, you know? And I mean, I think that our world is showing us that an abundance of, of everything is, is useful. And I think about the number of people releasing new music now is just, it's beyond what I can comprehend. And yet people are listening to them. There is an audience. Yeah. A lot of people on the earth. Yeah. <laughs> I feeling or something is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of ears. <laughs> a lot of ears, a lot of hearts. Are, are you still doing stuff with the luminaries? We are. We, we took like a major hiatus over a couple of years and people just grew and became fathers and had kids and moved and all the things that humans go through. And for me, you know, putting out my record in 2017 was a big thing for me as an individual. Like, can I share my music in the way that I feel resonant as an individual and finding that balance within myself? And I feel like a lot of the vocalists in the group did that, too. So um, but we've been corresponding um this year and we've been like yo let's we have some music that's been unreleased that i feel will be really beautiful timing to put out something so it's definitely an intention of ours to re-emerge as a collective and put out some music and mm-hmm. you know, inshallah hopefully it all comes into alignment god willing mm-hmm. uh, in context of what's happening in the world and all of our individual schedules but we're, we're in communication i love those brothers yeah you guys make great music thank um, you yeah I remember when, when I, when I last saw you actually, when it was in Phoenix, we were talking about that. Um, you guys had just come back from Israel, I think. Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Or were you going there? One of yep. the two, uh, which was, 
interesting to me. That's, a, that's an interesting place to me, Israel. I've never been there, but I remember you saying that that was a pretty cool experience. Do you have like a favorite place that you've ever been? Ever? Wow. Like performing? Well, there's been a lot of cool places <laughs> I've been. Um, definitely going to Palestine and Israel is very special because that came out of the blue. Someone saw our Be The Change video and was like, wow, we, we're, we're going down there to, as a delegation to kind of try to create peace and unity amongst the Palestinian and Israeli people and connected yeah. to their city in Gainesville, Florida. And so um, having the opportunity was a huge blessing and a very humbling experience. And to be able to, to, to be in service in such a unique place was really powerful and transformative. And um, also some cool places I've been to, Bali, Indonesia, that comes to mind. That was a very fun experience to perform in Bali. Um, also went to Chinchen Itza, Mexico, which is the center of the Mayan universe, the Mayan pyramids. Oh, cool. and, and that was a very profound experience to be there on December 21st, 2012, which is like the end of the Mayan calendar per se. Uh -huh. So that was a very <laughs> profound experience. And just, yeah, I don't know. Like I've been to a lot of the major states in America performing and I've been to a lot of places around the world to share music. Um, Canada's cool too. Toronto's an amazing place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have a definitive one, but I guess those experiences come up to mind for sure. Yeah. Do you know what the end of the Mayan calendar means? Well, it's just supposedly when the calendar was like complete. And so in that context, that it was when, I don't think it necessarily meant the end of the world per se. Maybe we took it as that. I think some people but, interpret it that way. Yeah. Some people believe that we're in 2012 right now. I mean, I've heard the theory that we were, that, you know, because of the Gregorian calendar, because of our confusion of time, that we're actually in that cycle now, hence why we're going through so many crazy changes. Okay. So I do think cycles are completing. I do feel like the veil is being lifted up, which is the definition of apocalypse, lifting up the veil. And so I do feel these times are meant to reveal things. Like I was saying, within ourselves, we have to acknowledge within ourselves these different pains and emotions in order to heal them. And in the same way in the collective, things have to show up in order for us to come to resolution. So we're in, it feels like we're in it. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the, it's a continuous end. <laughs> yes. That's cool. And I was thinking about that because I, when I was living in LA, there were a lot of like sort of soft end of the world um, stories going on, you know, like we were going to shift into a new dimension or the end of the mic. I, I remember all these stories being told and, and then I sort of forgot about them. But when you mentioned the end of the Mayan calendar, I was like, hmm, I, I wonder like what phase we're in for the Mayans right now. Like, are we, are we in the after time? Is there a new calendar to begin? Fun stuff to think about. <laughs> definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, if we're, if we're actually on the Mayan calendar timeline right now, it makes a lot of sense in context of what's happening in the world. Yeah. And so to me, you know, when coronavirus hit, I felt fear. I felt like a little anxiety. My, my thought was like, is this the time where I actually get out of LA and escape and mm -hmm. go somewhere like Costa Rica or whatever, like, you know, these different places I mentioned where they maybe could be more physically safe. Then I thought to myself, you know what? Like, you just have to be in your spirit and trust that wherever I am is where I'm meant to be. Mm -hmm. And if I want to go somewhere, then cool. But like, I want to operate from a space of, I know that my spirit is infinite and divine and, and indomitable. 
And so like, it's not to condone physical things that happen to our, myself or anyone else, but just to like reaffirm that I am spirit and this body's temporary and whatever is occurring is meant to occur for like multiple levels of transformation. Mm-hmm. So it's a prop practice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh this year, this year has been very challenging in a great way. And, and I think it has, I didn't realize that was the definition of apocalypse. That makes a lot of sense. The lifting of the veil. Yeah. The year of clarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I will put, uh, put your links down below the podcast link and I'll, um, I'll let you know when this comes out. Thank you so much for, for meeting with me like this. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me and wishing you much success and amplifying the voices of other artists. Thank you. Service with your gifts. Yeah. This has been my favorite thing I think that I've done so far is talking with other artists. It's been so inspiring and you are so inspiring. So thank you for doing what you do. I've been watching you, you know, through the years and it's really, really awesome to see you grow and what you do and what you offer. So awesome. Have a wonderful day and um, have great workshops. Thank you. You too. Blessings. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review that helps other people find it. I love you. Bye.